Thank you for joining the Broadway Drumming 101 podcast with your host, Clayton Craddock. Welcome to the Broadway Drumming 101 podcast. My name is Clayton Craddock, and this is your one-stop shop for everything you'll need to know about playing drums for Broadway musicals. This is part two of my conversation with Bill Lanham. In this part of our conversation, you're going to hear how he landed the drum chair for the first national tour of Les Mis and how he wound up playing the last 12 years of Les Mis on Broadway. He talks about his experiences at South Pacific, Evita, Cats, and we discuss some of the more important things about being a successful drummer on a Broadway show. Stay tuned. If you like what you hear on the show, subscribe to the Broadway Drumming 101 newsletter at broadwaydrumming101.substack.com. That's substack, S-U-B-S-T-A-C-K.com. Thank you for listening. After you were subbing around a little bit, you said you went out on tour. Yeah, I went out on the first national tour of Les Miserables. What was that experience like? That was nice. That was a, um, back, back then, and I'm not, I don't know if they describe them in the same way anymore, but they had, they had national tours and bus and truck tours. So bus and truck tours were tours that did like one weekers, you know, sometimes even like maybe like two dayers, like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to be in, um, some small town in, in Omaha for two, for two nights, you know, then we're going to move to somewhere else in, Montana for three nights. I was on a national tour, which national tours were more sit down. So we did our shortest stay in a city was two months. So it was nice. Um, so you get, you got a chance to kind of sit down, know the city, like know the, um, know where you were going, kind of make a little home base. So it was great. It was, um, we were in cities for at least, I'd say on average, at least three months, you know, um, some cities we were longer, like the, like we were in um, Chicago for six months. We were in, um, DC for like five months, you know, um, Detroit for like four months. So, you know, you got a chance to know the cities, and, um, you know, uh, feel comfortable there, you know, and feel like some, like somewhat home for a little, for, you know, for a little while at least, you know, so, and, um, <clears throat> Um, the experience was nice because, you know, you're playing, obviously those, those tours, the, um, the national tours would carry like a core of musicians. So on our latest tour, we carried basically, we carried basically a rhythm section and conductor minus the bass player. The rest of the orchestra we would pick up in this, in the cities that we went to on the bus and truck tours, you had, they would carry a full, like a full orchestra with, so with the layman's, I, I, I'm trying to recall um, the lamest parts back then were like, I think maybe 24 um, pieces, orchestra, something like that. So on the tour, they would carry, and, that, and a bus and truck would be maybe a little bit more condensed because they would have, they would supplement the strings on keyboard. So they would carry maybe a couple of string players, but um, they would carry like maybe 20 musicians on the, as opposed to the tour I was on, we would carry only um, four no, sorry, we would carry five. That's counting the conductor. So keyboard one, keyboard two, guitar, drums, conductor. Yeah, so five. So, Did yeah. you come back to New York 
and start playing on shows after that? Or what did you do after the tour? Well, fortunately for me, after the tour, <clears throat> it was all kind of due to timing. Um, so I went out on the Lamest tour, Lamest national tour. I was out on that tour for about two and a half years. And towards the, while that tour was starting to wind down, um, a show called Miss Saigon was opening. And in Miss Saigon, they were going to use the drummer and percussionist who were playing the Les Mis Broadway version over in Miss Saigon. So the drummer and percussionist from Miss Saigon, from, from, from the Broadway version of Les Mis, left Les Mis to go play the Broadway version of Miss Saigon. Hence, I got a call since I was doing the tour of Les Mis to come in and be the drummer on the Broadway version of Les Mis. So uh-huh. timing, timing was uh, was really, really good for me in that regard. And um, Les Mis ended up being a long-term gig for me, um, including the tour and the, and the Broadway run. So so I didn't come back to Broadway. I didn't actually come back to the, from the tour subbing. I kind of came back from the tour with a gig, which was kind of really great. Really uh, a blessing. So. so how long did you have that Les Mis gig? So the Lamest gig, I was on the Lamest tour for about two and a half years, and I did the rest of the Broadway run for 12 years. So total of about maybe 14 and a half years of playing Lamest. That's amazing. Yeah. I knew you did it for a while, but for, wow, that's amazing. So I met you when you were playing Lamest. I can't remember when I met you, but I, I saw you play. I remember you came and sat in the pit, I remember, yeah. And I was moment. scared to death. Oh, stop. Stop. <laughs> seriously. No, no, you were doing some stuff and I, you know, the odd time stuff and you did one fill. I don't know what you did. I was like, holy cow, I'm not cut <laughs> out for this. <laughs> I just walked oh. out like this. Like, <laughs> oh, stop, stop. <laughs> I'll never make it in this business. I'll never do it. No, but it was it was an eye opening experience because shows are different from pit to pit and just yeah. seeing what each drummer and each musician does. It's it's. It's an incredible experience, I think. Uh, I mean, I learned a lot just just watching you and and knowing your style and and knowing that it's it's playing musicals is different from playing other types of uh, gigs, and you have to. Yeah. yeah, it's a specialized skill, and and you definitely are a specialist, <laughs> top of the top of the heap. So wow. for twelve years on Broadway, now I the longest thing I've done was. Memphis the musical and that was almost three years I never got tired of playing my show I loved every single minute of it the the producers were great the musicians were great the cast was great the crew was great the show was great we won Tony Awards I wouldn't trade anything I'd still be doing it if it was still running did you ever get it to a point where you're like my god I have to go in again Um, I never I never got to the point where excuse me I never got to the point where I didn't want to do it anymore. Um, I will say after 12 years of doing something, you know, the same thing over and over every night, I ha- I did get to points where I felt like a little, like emotionally drained or like, you know, man, you know, I'm playing the same thing every night, you know. However, I did try to keep myself busy with other stuff, you know. So when I could, I took off and I did other projects and I did other gigs and stuff. That helped. And then I looked at it from the standpoint of, listen, I have a gig. I have, I don't have a, I have a gig that I kind of 
that not too many other people have. They don't have like long running shows. Um, and I have a gig where um, I can, you know, fortunately you know, take care of myself, take care of my family. And I was just, I looked at it from that standpoint. So when I got to those points where I, where I was like, you know, starting to feel like, uh, man, this is a drag, you know, and I never really, I never got to that point where it was, you know, where I did feel that. But when I started feeling maybe those negative things coming on, I was like, listen, man, count your blessings. Be thankful you have this gig. It's a, it's a, it's a long running gig. Not too many people have this. And I, other, other guys who were older than me helped me appreciate that and, and told me that. And, um, where they say, Hey, listen, you know, be grateful for what you have, you know. Like William um, Devon. Be yeah, yeah. Thankful for yeah. what you got. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, so I always tried to focus on, you know, being grateful for what I had. And, um, you know, even now I look at it because, I mean, Les Mis was running. Les Mis, you know, Phantom of the Opera opened up a, a year after Les Mis. And Phantom of the Opera is still running. And so sometimes I, I, I question myself. I'm like, man, if Les Mis was still running, would I still be playing it? Would I still have that? You know, and there are people on the Phantom of the Opera run right now who are some of the original some of the original musicians, you know, so. That's what I hear. Know, I wonder. I'd be grateful. You know. I never I never was really interested, nor did I ever get a chance to go see the show or see anyone in the pit. Yeah. But 30 years doing the same thing. Yeah. Man, I, how did you how did you keep it fresh, or how did you is is it basically knowing that you had a gig and you were appreciative of what you had, and, and that's how you, or did you do anything else to try to maintain your sanity? I would keep it fresh by like what I said before, being grateful for what I had, being thankful for what I had, but I would also, to the extent that I could, I would I would try to throw in like. I would try to deviate a little bit from the book, just a, just a tad. I mean, you can't do uh, on a show like that. You can't do much, you know, right. on, on any show, because, you know, people are expecting to hear certain things, certain cues. Oh, the drummer played this. He threw me off. You know, you, you don't want to hear that, you know, however, you know, with, within reason, I would try to throw in little, little things that, you know, that would make a difference for me, you know, and, <laughs> There were some things, there were some things, honestly, there were some things in the original Les Mis book, in the, in the original Les Mis drum book, because Les Mis actually has been revived a couple, a few times, and I know the drum book has changed, um, but in the original drum book, there are some things in there that were every night, every night was a challenge. Um, to play, to play only, not only drum drumming-wise, but, you know, you're also playing in a group of 20, I think our, I think we're at 24, 25 musicians in a pit. And the, and the rhythm section was not, was not um, geographically together. So this was, this was pre, you know, in-ear monitors and stuff like that. So we had either headphones or hotspots. So uh, in the setup for Les Mis at, at the theater, um, the drums were all the way in a, in a corner next to the percussionist, the, the two keyboard players who you would want to kind of lock in with, they were kind of more in the middle of the pit. The bass player and the guitarist were on the other side of the pit. And in the middle of the pit, it was, there was an elevator, which was part of what the cast used 
because there was some scenes on stage where the cast would escape through what was called um, what was a sewer on on the stage. So the cast had, the, a, a character had to go through the sewer, and so to make it look like he went through the sewer, they dug a hole in the stage, which ended up being a hole into the pit, which had which was where they would come out. So we we had a lot of challenges in terms of playing sometimes just playing together because you know we had to rely on our phones or or the hotspot that we had and sometimes it would be like oh, i'd rather just listen so they were and some of the stuff was challenging there was a song in there um there was a cue called the attack of rue plumet which was every night man that was that was a real real challenge to play i mean and you know we did it well but it was you know if you weren't on your p's and q's it was, um, it was tough. This is his lair. I've seen the old fox around. He keeps himself to himself. He's staying close to the ground. I smell the profit here. Ten years ago, he came and paid the cassette. I let her go for a song. It's time we settled the debt. This old custom dare. What do I care? Who you should rob? Give me my share. Finish the job. You shut your mouth. Give me your hand. What have we here? Who is this hussy? It's a brat happening. Don't you know your own kid? Why is she hanging about so, you? being there for 12 years, you saw a transition in technology in the pit. Uh, did you have a conductor cam by the time you ended? And did you have in-ears and your own avion? Like, how was the transition? Or did you have a transition? Or in- no, uh, no. The only, um, no, because um, at that point, avioms were starting to come in, you know, and people were starting to, you know, do, um, you know, uh, conductive videos and stuff. But by that point, you know, no, there was no transition. That was basically, it. it, it is, it is what it is. You know, that's kind of the way you went into it. And that's kind of the way it, 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 um, it ended up being. Do you know um, if places like Phantom of the Opera are still operating in technology from 1987. <laughs> I don't know. It'd be interesting to see what happens in the fall. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That I don't know. So after Les Mis, uh, what was next for you? So after Les Mis um, was a bunch of subbing. Um, subbing. Um, what year is this, uh, by the way? This is around 2000. So Layman's closed. The original Layman's closed in May of 2003 and took a little bit of a break and then just got back into, you know, networking and trying to sub. So I, you know, uh, started subbing uh, Boy From Oz, um, Wicked. Actually, I was very fortunate right after subbing on Layman's after some after a little bit of a hiatus to get some to be able to start subbing on some long running shows. So um, Wicked, I subbed on for many years. Um, Mama Mia was running, I subbed on that for many years. Um, uh, Boy From Oz didn't last for too long, but I subbed on that for a little while. Um, uh, Spam A Lot was another one. And, you know, I, I, um, I got some shows that had some legs to them. So I was, and I did fairly well at them subbing. So I was able to sub there, sub, sub on those shows for a while. So I subbed on a bunch of shows. Um, and um, uh, next Broadway show I got was South Pacific. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Center.
Did you do any readings that led to those shows or workshops? Um, I did when I the whenever I've gotten hired, I've always gotten hired for stuff that was already kind of in the works to kind of come in, you know. So the workshop, the workshops I've done, workshops I, I've done never have really led to any other shows, you know. Um, I recently actually just did a workshop recently that it's not going to be a Broadway show, but um, it was a show. Um, it was a show kind of based on some Andrew Lloyd Webber music uh, that's that uh, is being planned for Norwegian cruise lines. Um, so we did a workshop of that and, you know, I don't, it has no, it has no Broadway aspirations at all, but, um, but the Broadway stuff I've done in terms of work, in terms of readings and workshops. So no, so no, I haven't done any readings that have led to workshops, but I have done, I've been in workshop spaces where you're doing rehearsals for something coming in. So a lot of stuff that I've done has, has always had rehearsals in the, in the workshop space, so to speak, but they were already, you know, it was already booked for the theater was going in and that's what it was. I meant, uh, you mentioned the show Wicked. I remember a while ago, I think you said this, I don't know if it was you, but I've heard that Wicked is very, very difficult to play. Is that- Wicked is wicked. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard the music. I've never seen the show. I swear, I don't know anything about it. Nothing, absolutely nothing. Is it, really difficult to play or is it what what is it about the show that makes it so hard to play um wicked 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 first of all is is difficult to play but once you get it together it's very fun to play Mm. what makes it difficult is the amount of transitions between i'll say maybe between tempos and um and things you have to play like um uh, not only are you playing drums, you're playing rhythmic stuff on the triangle or rhythmic stuff on, um, on, a, on like a talking type of drum. And you have to put that stuff down and you have like about maybe two, maybe two beats in a measure to get your sticks. I remember playing stuff at Wicked with, with, um, with my mallets underneath my arm while I'm playing, oh, I'm sorry, with my sticks underneath my arm, playing with mallets, playing a cymbal roll, dropping the stick, dropping the mallets, pulling my sticks out. And like within, within a beat or beat and a half, you have to be ready to, you know, play a fill into some other, it's, 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 it's a lot. I'll put it to you. It's a lot of choreography. It's a lot of choreography between, you know, pulling stuff up and, you know, um, you know, pulling sticks out, beaters out, um, mallets out, you know, um, making sure, you know, it's a lot of transitions like that. That's what makes that's what makes it tough. And then obviously there's a lot of, you know, conductor watching, you know, for stuff that's, you know, groove oriented or tempo changes and stuff comes in with click sometimes. And, you know, so, you know, so there's a lot of a lot of a lot of uh, variables in there. So. But it's it's enjoyable once you get it together. So you went from Les Mis to subbing and then you got South Pacific and that I think you were doing that when I was doing Memphis. Okay. And after that, what was the next thing that uh, came your way? Okay, South Pacific then was the short little um, run of a show that didn't that didn't last. Was called Wonderland. Um, that lasted for about um, <clears throat> maybe about 
rehearsals were less, were about maybe uh, four weeks and then the run was about four weeks. So I oh, hope wow. we get some more legs in it. Yeah. And then um, that, so the Wonderland and then after Wonderland did some more subbing and then, um, then a Vita, I did a Vita for about a year and a half. Um, a revival of that, that was nice. And then um, after Evita was a short revival of Jekyll and Hyde, which lasts for about another four weeks. And then a um, little bit of a hiatus um, for that. Well, some subbing. Um, uh, we subbed on some things together, I think, or same shows like Motown and stuff like yes. that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then um, some more subbing on some different things. And then Cats Revival came in. That was fun. Did that for about a year and a half, two years. Well, two years did we get to? We got a year and a half out of that. So that was fun. Enjoyed that. I remember subbing for you for Evita and at Cats. And it was two shows that were completely different from what I had done before. Because, you know, growing up playing groove-oriented music and then playing groove-oriented shows, whether it's... Tick, Tick, Boom or Alter Boys or Memphis, you know, doing something in the Andrew Lloyd Webber vein is is very, very different. And I, it took me a while. You talk about subbing and learning the show and going to see it. I had to go in a number of times. and I like to spend at least a month learning the show, but it took me so long to in order to get to certain uh, things that you were doing. Again, I just admire your 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 skill level and your, 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 the, the way you play and the things that you, that you did, it, it actually helped me become a better player, especially with songs like, and the money kept rolling in. And I gotta tell you, oh my god! I was like, do I have to play this? To, can I just? Is there a funk show that's? <laughs> can we do a slave show? Anyway, slave show, right? Slave show in seven. <laughs> Slide. <laughs> that would be hilarious. The thing about playing that song, though, you know, growing up playing along to Tom Sawyer, which is in seven, <laughs> yeah, right? it yeah. I was like, oh shit, it's just like Tom Sawyer. Let me just do that. So it kind of helped. So ha- having that reference, but man, it was a lot of fun working on the show. And again, Cats was very interesting. I loved it that uh, that little drum solo. Near the end, the uh, uh, oh, at the end the of the fight. first act, yeah, that was fun. That now, was fun. I don't know how different it was from the original. Do you 
was that in the original cats as well? Like that McCa- was it a McCavity fight? Whatever they're the two cats. Oh, were- oh yeah, no. And the um, in the original, some of the stuff in the Cats revival uh, was new stuff um, that was arranged by John Clancy. Fellow yes, Clancy. We both know. Yeah, um, great stuff. Um, yeah, so John arranged some some really fun stuff to play. So some of the stuff in the Cats revival um, was arranged by him. And um, since he's a drummer, it was, it was fun to play that stuff. And so some of the stuff in the Cats revival, no, was not in the original. It was uh, it was added. Um, and um, however, a lot of the stuff in the Cats revival was was, um, you know, was what it originally was. You know? Did you see the Cats movie? <clears throat> um, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I th- Damn, it must not be very memorable. <laughs> no, like, I, you know, I don't think I did see the Cats movie. Um, I don't think I watched, or I, I watched it, and I, or I, you know what, I can't remember it. So maybe <laughs> I didn't see it. So, I, um, you know, I got to tell you, I might be the only person out here that actually enjoyed it because it, it explained a lot that I didn't understand by seeing the show, you know, a bunch of times. Yeah, a lot of stuff that didn't make sense, but. The movie tried to explain, but I don't want to get into that whole thing. Right, right. <laughs> uh, what are some of the things, and you know, you've been around for a while. What are some of the things that drummers should never do in a Broadway pit? Never do in a Broadway pit. Um, never do is to treat people disrespectfully. Um, um, you know, we... we we live or we work in a world where, you know, people need to feel comfortable. So never go in with a chip on your shoulder um, and never think you're all that, you know, always be willing to um, listen to other players and um, respect their opinions, you know, Um, uh, and never treat, never treat anybody disrespectfully um, because it's not going to, it's not going to benefit you. <clears throat> probably you're probably not going to be asked to come back there and you just build up a bad reputation for yourself. On the flip side, what are things that a drummer should always do? Um, on the flip side of that, treat people respect, treat <laughs> people respectfully, but also as a drummer, um, watch the conductor, you know, watch the conductor, or I should say, you know, as a drummer, you can't always watch the conductor because maybe you're focusing on your part, especially if you're subbing. But be aware, be aware of be in tune with the conductor in some way. Be aware of what's going on. And, and you know, unless the show, unless the show is like all on click, you know, you have to be um, you have to be aware of what's going on. And even if the show is all on click, there are things that the conductor will do um, um, that will help you out. You know, so. So be know what know what's happening with 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 the conductor in terms of what he wants, you know, that's that will, you know, be and make him make sure that he knows that you're kind of on his side. You know, what's the biggest uh, the biggest piece of, of advice that you got over the years that has helped you? in your career as a musician? Um, 
whether not necessarily musically, but in general, is there any, you know, something that you'd like to pass on to other people? You know, you know what, kid, you know what you need to know is don't be late. Don't be late. And when I say late, I mean not late in terms of your downbeat. I mean late in terms of being at the gig. Like if the gig starts at eight, um, you're late if you arrive at eight because that's what time the show starts. So be early. Um, if the gig starts at eight, you know, be there in time to, you know, do what you need to do. Run through the show. If you need to run through the show, if you need to, you know, get used to the guy's setup or get you, you warm, if it's your show, warm up for yourself. You know, um, if you're taking a train there or a car there, whatever, you know, make, make sure you're there. Make sure you do whatever you need to do so that you're ready to play ready to perform at eight, you know, don't get there at eight, you know? Um, so yeah, that, um, that, and that goes, that goes with any gig and with any Broadway, with any gig, you know, make sure you're ready to do what you need to do when you need to do it. <clears throat> now a uh, couple more questions, but speaking of being late, I think, I don't know if everyone has experienced this, but being on a show for a long, long time and living in and around New York City, there are certain things that you can't can't control. You're yeah. gonna get there at seven fifteen for eight o'clock yeah. show or seven thirty. Have you ever gotten a, a situation where you're like, eh, "I'll get there"? You know, you leave at say six thirty, and you you normally get there at six seven fifteen, but man, something's happened, and it's like seven fourteen <clears throat> seven thirty. You're like, "Oh my god." <laughs> I mean, has that happened a lot to you? And what has what has been your uh, craziest close call? It hasn't happened a lot to me. I usually try to leave myself enough time. If I, especially if I'm doing a Broadway thing, I usually try to be there probably an an hour for, before showtime for me is kind of not comfortable. I try to get there like a lot, like maybe an hour and a half. You know? Wow, that's um, great. Yeah, um, an hour is okay. You know. Um, but, you know, warm up, whatever, you know, um, I want to make sure I'm there. Um, and yes, I have, you know, we've all kind of, you know, been in situations like that. Um, when I was doing the original Les Mis, you know, I lived on Long Island and I had a train that I would, uh, same train, I would take the same train. It would get into Penn Station at 720 on the dot every day. Um, and or on a matinee day, it was um, 120. Matinee starts at two. So. Plenty of time to get up to Penn Station. I that was comfortable for me. One day, and it happened two Wednesdays in a row. Two Wednesdays in a row, there was train issues, and I'm sitting in the tunnel between um, Penn Station and Queens. I'm sitting in the tunnel, and it's like one. I want to say it's one forty-five, one fifty. I'm like, oh man! I said, I am totally, totally done. So um, long story short, we got through, I ran out. I was thinking so much. I was like, I'm going to, I said, is there any way I can like walk from here, from, from here, like on the track? And they said, no, you can't do that. I'm like, oh my God, it's because I was just freaking out. Um, <clears throat> anyway, long story short, we pulled in. I was able to run upstairs. I hopped in a cab on 8th Avenue at, for, um, you know, for like, six blocks and we got to 42nd street and bottled neck. I, I, I gave the guy 10 bucks. I ran out. I got to the theater. Thankfully I made it on time. I mean, I made it, I made it to the theater before because sometimes show back and back in, well, in those times, sometimes Kurt, 
two o'clock curtain sometimes wouldn't actually, the show actually wouldn't start maybe like 205, 206. So I had a little bit of play, but wasn't, wasn't what I was hoping for or wanted to do. And um, so, yeah, so yeah, I've been in situations like that, but yeah. And then I, I said to myself, listen, I need to leave a little bit earlier. And, and so, yeah, so just learning from those experiences and priding myself on not being late, but, you know, making sure that I'm not, you know, making sure I'm there on time. That's great advice though. Don't be late and get there early. Yeah. Cause you know, the, older that I've gotten, the less, I mean, the more cautious I've, I've become. Yeah. And I too. realize that, you know, even doing recently playing these club dates, I get there like an hour before and I feel so much better being there yeah. at seven o'clock. First of all, you know, doing club dates, setting up your drums, just having yeah. it set up, it's set up by seven thirty, So you got time to just chill. It's so much yeah. better. Exactly. So, uh, going back to your, your, your beginnings, do you still, are you into computer science at all? Did, did you study any kind of languages? Are you into technology now? Or that's, you know, just put that in the past. Yeah, I mean, I'm still into technology. I mean, I work I work in Pro Tools. I, you know, so I, I, I have used my computer, um, my computer knowledge, but more in a musical kind of way. Um, mm. um, and I feel comfortable on, using programs and stuff like that. The languages I learned when I was in college. Um, Fortran. Fort, Fort, <laughs> oh, wow. Woo, Clayton, Fortran. Yeah. I knew a I little bit two, about I, that. That was my first semester of computer languages. Fort, Fortran. COBOL. And my second semester was advanced Fortran. Yep, Fortran. <laughs> um, Is C++ around? I mean, C++, I, mean, I remember. We, we use a language called COBOL. Yes. A language called assembly language. Yeah, a lot of that stuff is not around anymore. So, mm. um, but my just my experience with computers and how they, you know, being comfortable in the computer world has helped me. You know, with you know, let's say like Pro Tools or doing you know um, uh, doing things uh, on the computer, uh, musical things on the computer. You know, um, so uh, you know uh, plugins and all that stuff. So just overall has helped me. So. Do you teach at all now? Um, I do some teaching. I have a couple of students. Um, uh, we're in the Zoom world now, so doing stuff over Zoom. So doing some of that and um, uh, doing doing some lessons that way. So that has its own challenges because you're not physically there, present with people. So it's you know it's a little challenging, but uh, you know we make it work. Are you working on any? Uh projects at the moment are you uh any possible musicals are you doing any uh club dates any other yeah you have your band natural high putting it back together natural high <laughs> wow. wow bloodstone i don't know bloodstone yeah <laughs> um i am i'm working on I, I i do some i do i get projects uh every now and then i do some home recording um i do play in a club date band thanks to you oh who, man uh you told me about an audition that this band was having and they were, um, they picked me as their drummer and I've been with them for about 12 years now. So, wow. And yeah, yeah. It's been, it hasn't been 12. It's been, let's see, it was, nine, it was 2000, 2008, I think was our first, or 2007 or 2008 was our first gig. Yeah. So 
yeah. So yeah, we've been fortunate enough to um, uh, keep busy. Uh, we even, I even bragged last year that we did that. We, I think we did like six gigs last year during the pandemic and people were like, man, you did six gigs. I was like, yeah. I said, wow. So it's six know. more than everyone else. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so still working with them. Uh, we have a gig this weekend. We had a gig last weekend and um uh show wise uh i like i said i did that recent andrew lloyd weber norwegian project we'll see what happens with that um i'm not gonna probably go on any cruise ships to do it but you know we'll see what happens with it and then um and then we'll see what happens when broadway opens again um you know see what subbing opportunities come up or if other opportunities come up but um Did Broadway lead to any kind of endorsement deals? Um, uh, Yes and no. Uh, Broadway, I would say Broadway didn't lead to them. Broadway helped in me getting them because I I, I actually pursued them. Um, So I'm with Remo, I'm with Peisty, I'm with with Vic Firth. Um, But they didn't approach me, I approached them. And it was probably, it was, I would say it's because um, it was when I was on the first national tour of late Mills that I got those deals. Um, um, it was probably, it was because it, that was a lot, that was a you know big thing on the resume to put, you know, and it was because of, because of that, that, uh, that helped me get those, you know, and I've been very happy with those, with all three of those companies, they've been very supportive of me. Um, and whenever I needed something, um, they've done it. Vic Firth made some specialty sticks I used for many years at Les Mis. Um, uh, Peisty loaned, initially loaned me a pair of crash, uh, orchestral crash cymbals that I used at South Pacific. And then when I went to go give them back, they um, they said, uh, well, you earned your keep with them. You can keep them. I was like, wow, it's great. You know, um, uh, Remo's been great with me over the years with lots of stuff. You know, they've all been very supportive and very great. If people wanted to reach out to you to get lessons, uh, do you have a website? Uh, I don't have a website. Um, Social media? Social media. I'm not a social media guy either, but (laughs) BillLanham at AOL.com is my email address. You can reach me there. Did you ever look back and say, I wish I had done the computer science thing? or, or, Or just say, you know what? I made the right choice in pursuing music. Um, no, uh, no, no, never looked back on it. And, and, and it's funny, you made me hesitate because I, I had to think about it one time because um, in my sophomore, in my sophomore, was it sophomore? sophomore year of high school, yeah, I was in, I was involved in this, I'm sorry, sophomore year of college, I was with this program um, that were, that was pushing students um, to go on job interviews and get experience. So it was basically for, 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 for seniors and juniors, but since I was doing well in school and I was a computer science student, they put me in this program and they got me this uh, interview with the, um, with the IRS and back in the eighties and their location was out in Holbrook back then. So they sent me on this interview and they, and they had told me, I said, listen, you know, they're really looking for sophomores. I mean, they're looking for juniors and seniors, So you're a sophomore. So they're probably not going to offer you the job, but just go on the interview for experience. I was like, all right. You know, meanwhile, I was gigging, I was doing shows and I was doing club dates and I was doing all this other stuff, you know, so they're, they're interviewing me at, and I was such as, I was so not into doing the computer thing 
back then I was just, and so they were interviewing me. So Mr. Lamb, uh, blah, 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 you know. Um, so what are your plans for the summer? You know, what do you, you know, how you think, you know, what are you going to bring to us? I said, well, you know, I got some gigs lined up with, you know, with some shows and my band and stuff. So, you know, I don't know what, uh, you know, I'll try to fit in what you have for me, you know, around my schedule. But, and I was like, Oh my goodness. I said, I said that at an IRS interview. I, I mean, that just like showed them how non-interested I was in <laughs> and they're like, computer science and pursuing music. You know? And and they wanted to hire you or they were like, nah, no, <laughs> no, no. I was, when I left, I was like, Oh, well, when I left, I was like, Oh, well, I'm probably not getting that gig. And now as an older person, I'm looking back, I'm like, man, what an idiot I was. I think you obviously made the right choice. You are a, wildly successful musician and well, uh about that. and well seriously you've, you've done so <laughs> much in your life and uh I, I definitely admire the things that you've accomplished and i love your drumming and you're definitely uh an inspiration to me i'd like to you know uh i'd love to have a a, a job that lasts for 14 years or 12 years on broadway <laughs> but uh you know I really appreciate the opportunities that you've given me over the years. And vice versa too. Vice okay. versa. Because you've you've done you've done things for me too. So that goes back to you and your playing is has been inspirational to me as well too. So oh, thank you, man. I Kudos to that. you. Yeah. But thank you for joining me on the Broadway Drumming 101 podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Bill Lanham. And uh I will be talking to you soon, Mr. Mr. Lanham. All right. Thanks again. You got it. Thank you again for joining us. If you'd like what you heard, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please take a moment to give us a nice rating and review.